law enforcement dismantled the internet's most dangerous malware? And where are we at with passwordless technology today? These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. Cybercriminals worldwide face major blows this week as law enforcement agencies dismantle the internet's most dangerous malware, known as Emotet, as well as disrupting the Netwalker ransomware gang. So how does this change the state of play for ransomware gangs? Could their dominance be on the wane? Matthew Schwartz, ISMG's executive editor of Data Breach Today in Europe, investigates. It's been a busy week for law enforcement actions targeting cybercrime gangs, and specifically the notorious Emotet botnet, as well as the Netwalker ransomware operation. This week, in a multinational crackdown on the Emotet botnet, Europol announced the arrest of multiple suspects by Ukrainian police, as well as the seizure of hundreds of servers and the sinkholing of the malware's command and control operations. Cybersecurity experts say the crackdown on Emotet has dealt a huge blow to the cybercrime operation. Emotet first appeared in 2014 as a banking trojan, but in recent years it's been retooled, for example, as a way to gain unauthorized access to victims' networks, and then this access gets sold to other cybercrime gangs. One tie-in, for example, involved Emotet gaining access and then installing the TrickBot Trojan for the TrickBot gang, followed also sometimes by the Ryuk ransomware. Authorities say their seizure of hundreds of servers should put a dent in Emotet's operations. Of course, members of the gang, who are still at large, might take the code and launch a new effort. Or someone else could pick up the Emotet banner. But experts say that at least in the short term, this operation was a success. It wasn't just a disruption, but a takedown, with suspects literally being put in handcuffs. In a separate multinational law enforcement operation effort that also came to light this week, authorities have been targeting the NetWalker ransomware. NetWalker is one of a number of ransomware-as-a-service operations, which have been incredibly lucrative and partially to blame for the increasing surge in ransomware gangs' illicit profits. In a ransomware-as-a-service operation, developers share ransomware executables with affiliates. It's affiliates' job to find targets to hack, and preferably, of course, high-value targets who might pay the biggest ransom. Every time a victim does pay, the operator and affiliate share in the profits. So as part of the NetWalker crackdown, authorities in Bulgaria have seized a dark website, meaning it's only reachable via the anonymizing Tor browser, that was used by the gang. The site facilitated communications with victims. Hopefully, this also means authorities will soon be able to issue a free decryptor to all victims. In addition, a suspected member of the gang has been arrested in Canada. Sebastian Vachon Desjardins, who's Canadian, has been charged with obtaining more than $27 million in profits as a result of this ransomware operation. The Justice Department says that earlier this month, it also seized half a million dollars worth of cryptocurrency, which it says comprised ransom payments made by just three of NetWalker's victims. As that demonstrates, the potential profits from ransomware remain massive, and unfortunately, more victims continue to pay. And therein lies the problem. With such massive profits to be made, 
it's no wonder that many criminals have been retooling for ransomware-enabled extortion. Blockchain analysis firm Chain Analysis, for example, reports that from 2019 to 2020, ransomware gangs' profits jumped by at least 311%. Unfortunately, as we head into 2021, these profits look set to continue to grow. So, while the arrests and disruptions announced this week are good news, the ransomware problem persists. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Now, are you someone who welcomes a passwordless world yet remains skeptical about its strong authentication promise? We'll take a watch of an interview on our sites with Jim Clark on why he's giving away passwordless technology. Clark is, of course, the co-founder of Beyond Identity and Netscape. Here's a snippet of the interview conducted by our senior vice president of editorial, Tom Field, where Clark reflects on where we're at with passwordless technology today. First of all, the word passwordless is used inappropriately in a lot of contexts. A lot of people think of a password manager as being passwordless, but really all it does is consolidate all the passwords under one folder, which is access with a password. Uh, some people refer to multi-factor authentication mechanisms as passwordless, but that isn't password either because you have to input a password and then you get challenged with a little code and you have to use that in some fashion. But in fact, you can make it completely without a password. And that's what we do. It makes use of the hardware security modules that are built into all hardware today, device hardware, endpoint hardware, from the PC to phones, no matter what the operating system. So it's time. It's time to move on and start using really more advanced technology. But at the same time, you got billions, multiple billions of passwords out there and used by people for every God knows what. And it obviously drives people crazy. All you have to do is mention this to an ordinary consumer and they say, wow, when can you make that available? I would die for it because they keep these lists of passwords everywhere or they use the same password. And finally, the recent SolarWinds hacking incident has prompted many organizations to reconsider their current cybersecurity defense strategies. There's been a call to be more creative and make greater use of deception technology. Here's Frank Downs, a former National Security Agency analyst, who's now the director of proactive services at cybersecurity company Bluevoyant, for his take on how defenders can use deception technology to ward off SolarWinds-type attackers. Well, it's going to take a lot <laughs> to ward off APTs, advanced persistent threats. But there are a lot of tools that are available, one of which is deception technology. So deception technology was used primarily in the attack itself in this instance. But that's not to say that the defenders can also implement deception technology. For example, one of the uh, tools that uh, falls in that categorization of deception technology are honeypots. These have been around for a very long time. Something to lure the attackers to so that they would then attack that area and it's completely separate from the business operations, right? I also think you're going to see greater use of, maybe this isn't so much deception, but of uh, encryption and accountability capabilities, uh, authenticity mechanisms such as I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see a lot more blockchain implementation um, in, in uh, everything that's being done. But there is always going to be uh, the use of some kind of obfuscation and deception mechanism by these companies in order to protect 
their own IP, to protect their business operations and so forth. And I think you will see that more highly leveraged now, but also on both ends, all right, both ends of this equation. So I think you'll see not just an increase in honeypots, but an increase in other tools that, you know, where do they think we are and so forth? How do we just kind of divert them and make make them think, how can we pretend we're not who we are? Uh, I think it's going to be, you're going to see some of that cyber misdirection, uh, as it were. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.